There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S and today we are discussing Handmaid's Sale. So that being said, I have my awesome co-host, Miss Jennifer, joining me again. Hello. Hello everyone. Oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're at episode seven. And this is a crazy episode. We get to see, and it's called The Other Side, we get to see Luke's side. Yes. Not only is he alive, we get to see him alive. Yes, and everything that happened to him, to know how he made it to the point that we've seen him in in episode six. So let's give the yes. little tiny synopsis that we always get. So Other Side, remembering her family's treacherous escape attempt, a shocking revelation from life before Gilead provides a new perspective on Alfred's life. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, okay, so this is obviously not in the book. The only perspective we get is Alfred's in the book. So, like the Serena Joy episode, this is new content, and it's exciting new content because we learn new and um, not wonderful things, but new things nonetheless about uh, Gilead and how far it's fallen. And what has exactly happened and what the resistance is and just how hard it is to get out of Gilead, even as a man. Yes. Because <laughs> apparently they want all you guys trapped, too, because they want to use you one way or another. Oh, yeah. You're either going to be a guardian slash angel or someone's driver or some wall. Yeah, or on the wall. Um, <laughs> and so, this, yeah, yeah, this was really interesting because, like I've said a couple of times, my husband and I are watching this together so that I can get his perspective at the end of it. We're going to do one. And he actually pointed something out, which I should probably save, but whatever. He pointed something out that they are so adamant of collecting these people, mm-hmm. whether it is man or woman, because you're going against everything. Yep. And he's, you know when he's looking at it too because I'm like okay what do you think because this is strictly the man's point of view in this one mm-hmm. and he's like I don't know how they would do that and you know as we kind of talked it through he's like alright I can see that you're doing what you have to to survive but at the same time like I don't know how they would give in I'm, and you know we've talked about it and you and I have talked about it you know yeah. if they're taking your neighbor and you mm-hmm. see them just flat out like take the wife, take the kids, and shoot the neighbor in the head. Yep. Yeah, you may want to stand up, but if you have a wife and kids, you're probably like, shit. Yeah, if you want to stay alive in this world, you don't stand up. And it's kind of what happened in Nazi Germany. Yeah. <clears throat> when people started seeing their Jewish friends and neighbors and shop owners within their towns and villages being rounded up and losing everything, they did not speak up because to speak against the regime was to suffer the same fate. 
And a lot of people ended up going along with stuff that they absolutely didn't believe in just in order to survive. So you have a lot of people who are kind of, excuse me, ignorant of history saying, oh, well, you know, all of the people in Germany at that time, you know, were flawed in their thinking and bad. No, some of them just didn't want to die. And that's what it comes down to. And they're really scared. And a lot of them, you know, helped harbor uh, their, their friends and neighbors and try to get them out of the country and things of that nature. And I do want to note that when there were refugees coming from Europe, Jewish refugees during that time, and they got turned away and sent back, a lot of them ended up dying in the concentration camps that we didn't know about until the war really ended. Right. So, so that's why um, seeing this and seeing that there were yeah. still people willing to fight, even though this was early on. So this is supposed to be, what was it? We said three years back. Mm-hmm. So we get the beginning where, yes, um, Luke, June, and Hannah are in the car, and it's like, okay, we see that, and then it kind of goes back and forth. So we see Luke being shot, which yep. we seen that originally. Because yes. June sees him, like, laying there, crumpled next to the car. Yeah, and like her, we all assume that he died. But what we don't get is what happens next, which apparently these people at Gilead, well, why are they trying to save him? Because they put him in an ambulance, and you have... You know, the paramedics working on him, they're like, oh, his blood pressure is coming back to normal. But, I mean, they didn't try to get the bullet out. Oh, no. Yeah, they're just trying to, you know, do what they can until they get him to wherever they're taking him. And, and I'm automatically thinking, again, why are they trying to save him? And I'm like, I bet it's to make an example. Yes. They, they're they big about making examples. And also, I have the feeling that Gilead, has they had so many people run that they need the numbers just to sustain themselves as a society in order to fill all of those service positions. But if they're already running and they're, he's trying to save his family, I don't see him being cooperative. But I, I really I, I, think it's more of the example to be made. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could be. And it very well could be that they declare him uh, an unman or, or something of the sort and there may be some kind of penalty like we saw um, Offglen oh. uh, um, suffer where it's like a castration of some kind where he becomes a eunuch therefore he's not a threat to any of the superior men in, in Gilead but he can still drive a car or something of, to that effect now obviously so. you guys have watched it by now so you know that this is just us speculating Yes, yes. But it's, so it's just I, I'm, really not, a big question just kind of hanging there. But that may be why they didn't try to take the bullet out, too. Yeah. Well, even then, that's the early days. And you see complete towns. The town that he finally makes it oh, to yeah. is just a shell of its former self. Okay, wait, wait. All right. Let's let's rewind a second. <laughs> let's talk about what happens really quick. Before okay. We get there. Because they're driving, and he's kind of in and out. He's slowly coming around, and you hear the... The one paramedic, you know, tell the driver, hey, be careful, it's icy. Yeah, and we know it's icy from the first episode because when they're being chased, yeah. they're sliding all over the road. Which is how they ended up off the road. Yeah. And, well, apparently the ambulance driver doesn't care, and, well, they end up going off off a bridge, actually. That was a beautifully shot wreck scene. That was amazing. Oh, my goodness. 
Wow. Now, Luke is okay. Well, I say okay in parentheses, or in quotes, I should say, because, I mean, he was shot, so he's not really okay, but he was strapped in. So he's mm-hmm. not moving anywhere. The paramedic is bounced all around, so you know he's probably yeah. not making it. And then the yeah. driver was ejected from the, the bus. I say bus. Should have been wearing a seatbelt. Should have been wearing a seatbelt. So as Luke struggles to get out of the... What was it? A gurney. I'm like, God, what's the word? Yes. He falls down, which is, you know, you have that, like, brief moment of, like, laughing. Because it's like, oh, ha, ha. And then you're like, oh, shit, right, he was shot. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, this is not cool. We but, shouldn't laugh. Okay. So he grabs <laughs> a bunch of supplies, which is smart. Yes. And it grabs the guy's coat and then the gun. Manages mm-hmm. to get out of the ambulance, sees the driver, and he's asking him, like, which way to, I don't remember, the, the road. And then he kicks the guy a couple times, and the guy the guy dies. And I'm like, yeah, I understand you're upset, but he was dying anyway. So yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I would have taken that guy's gun too. Yeah, and and you know I probably would have kicked him too because you know you guys shot me, and now you're gonna take me for what? Right. What? <laughs> and then and then you wreck me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> and then as he makes his way, he does make it to a. Uh, an area which this is what you were saying evidence of the takeover because so many of the houses were like or they weren't even all houses like the buildings were like tagged you know you've seen gender trader gender trader yeah the windows are broken yeah. out it looks like there was fire possibly in some of them definitely riots of some kind happened or maybe there was you know a war fought where the people were, you know, beaten into submission who tried to maybe stand up together as a town. We really don't know, and I want to know more. So season two, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nod, nod. I know. Uh, it's like you want, like, a kind of a prequel stuff, but you want to go forward, too. It's very disturbing right. when you're like, oh, which way do I want to go more? Yeah. It's kind of like Lost. Do I want to know more about their past and how they're connected? Right. Or do I know more about what's going to happen to them on the island? But did he get to, when he, after he was in the ambulance, did he get to, get to take, keep the stuffed bunny in the book of baby pictures that he managed to collect up? I think he, yeah, I think it was in the backpack or in the bag. He had, Okay, bag. yeah, because that was heartbreaking to me that all they really were able to, like, have was their, that book of baby pictures, anything that they could kind of carry on them because they couldn't look like they were running. And then he sees the tiny boot. Oh, yeah, that He's was trying horrible. to find them, and, and then they get him. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, oh. And so he, he's probably thinking they're dead. Right. And then he, he passes out, and he's thinking about them. And where mm-hmm. did he make it into? Was it a bar? I couldn't quite tell because he tries to drink something and then he spits it out because obviously it had gone bad. It had gone bad. I don't know if it was a bar or if it was like a soda place or like, like an ice cream shop restaurant. Yeah, like an ice cream shop with like a little bar where you could sit at because I saw tables overturned, but it was really such a wreck you couldn't tell exactly what it had been, but they had serve some kind of drink or food there. Right, there was something for him to try. Yeah. He passes out, and he's woken up by a woman kicking him. Yeah. Not the way you want to wake up, obviously, after being shot, but they think he is one of the guardians because of the jacket. Yep. Next thing you know, you you have a gun in your face, and he's like, I'm not one of them. I took it. They shot me. I took this jacket because I was cold. You know what he's got to be thinking? 
I cannot be shot twice in the same day. Right? Please, I have had enough. <laughs> but we find out that these people were undesirables, which was interesting because yes. as they take him, they're like, okay, listen, let me look at the wound, and oh, you have supplies, we can fix you. Put him on and the bus. Two women who find him. Yes. And we find out the one girl that was helping him was, well, they call her an army brat. Now, I think army brat, and I think, you know, you grew up with your family in the army, but it seemed that she was part of the army. Yeah, I mean, she could have also grown up uh, in the army, and then, like a lot of children who do grow up in the military, join themselves. Okay. So, And then you have a woman who we later find out, well, shortly find out, was at a red center, and that's when he finally starts getting information. Yep. You have a man who was uh, a gay man, yep. and then a nun, and I can't remember who they if they explained the driver at all. I don't think they did, okay. um, but he doesn't he doesn't want to um, go with them at first, and they're like, no, no, come on, we'll help you. Yeah, um, you're gonna die of your wound. Yeah, so two, it was two army brats, a gay guy, and a nun is what I what I now say. And then he learns that training there that you know about the red center. Yeah, but the training centers for gathering fertile women. Uh, and then let's see, because they weren't calling them obviously red centers at the time. But what we find out is the girl who we never actually learned her name because she never speaks. Right, yeah. Um, she was one of the women that were taken. They were at a school, and the... God, I wish I remembered all of their names. Uh, it was the gay man who was explaining they were at a school, and there was mm -hmm. about... Uh, what did he say? 30 or 50 women. Mm -hmm. And we find out they were all the fertile women, and those guards yep. weren't going to let them out, no matter what. And she was the only one that survived it, which was wow. crazy. And looks yeah. like what the hell are you talking about? Because that hadn't hit yet where they yeah, were. Exactly. Yeah, he just knew that they were taking women and children and they should have left early like Moira did, is, is basically. Right, because in the flashbacks, it kept, you know, kept saying, we should have left earlier, we should have left earlier. And he's like, we were waiting for visas, which at that point. Visas didn't mean anything. Right, which of yeah. course we don't know that because we haven't seen that from their point of view, like anybody being turned away at the borders or anything. Right. But, like, Luke keeps remembering forward and back, so it's like his I think forward and back, and it's still back for yeah. back and back. I think that visas don't mean anything if you're trying to leave. Like, the, like Gilead wouldn't let you leave right. even if you had a visa. More than, you know, other countries taking you in. Well, it was it was just really frightening, because they get to a point where they're like, listen, fine, we'll take you here. We're, we're fixing you up. Because she gets mm -hmm. the bullet out, she staples it. Ow. Oh, yeah. Mm. Into an IV. And she's like, all right, we'll get here. If you really want to go back, you can take this boat. We're going to go up to Canada because it's safer. Yeah, and they have to go on a boat because every land passage, they're like, it's blocked. We'll get caught. And they do end up giving him antibiotics, too, mm -hmm. so that there's not an infection or anything like that. But once they make it to the boat, I was just... Well, wait. Because it's worse before that. So we'll just oh, okay, yeah. dial back a tiny bit. Because Zoe is the army brat. Yeah. Who's like, listen, 
I have to show you something before you make this final decision. You know, he says goodbye to everybody and they're wishing him luck. Like, okay, I hope you find your wife. Yeah, because he, he wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to go on the boat with them. Right. And even the nun is like, okay, you know, I hope everything works out. And I pray to God that you find because Catholic nuns are not being looked at very favorably in Gilead. No one from any other religion except the official new state. Jacobian religion, the sons of Jacob, is acceptable. Which is pretty messed up. It's like, oh my god, you're going to kill a nun? Mm-hmm. Or they were going, well, she was older, so they wouldn't, like, try to breed her, but still, it's like, that's... Well, oh, she could nice. be an aunt or, you know, Martha, but... Yeah, I think she'd be like, yeah, screw this. Um, so Zoe's like, listen, we have to go here. It takes him to a church, and she's talking the whole time. And they go inside, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh my god, what's it smell? And, she and she's like, she's just like, look. Yes, all the people town has from the one. rafters. Yes, every town has one to let people know what happens when they fight back. Yes, and, and explaining, you know, the people here tried to hide the women and children, the fertile women and children, and when they fought back, this is what they do. And are you ready for that? Mm-hmm. Because going back, you're going to probably be in the rafters somewhere. Yeah, if you don't get out and you're trying to fight, you'll eventually end up on a wall or hanging from the rafters somewhere, as an example. Which was probably where he was headed to anyway, it was to be hung up as an example, quite honestly. Which is really scary. And then that that's a hard choice. Do you go back and hope to find your wife and child, which you don't have any clue where they're taking them? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but it's a pretty big country, and Gilead is everywhere. Yeah, and, and we don't know exactly what parts were taken over, but definitely Boston was taken over. Chicago is resisting, we know, but yeah. Woo, go Chicago. Um, but so Luke makes this very tough decision that he's going to get on the boat, and the boat guy is like, hey, 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 this is one too many people. I didn't agree this many people. You're going to have to pay. And so he ends up giving him his medical supplies. He's like, I'm sorry, bud, that's not going to be enough. He has to give away his wedding band. It's so messed up. And, and I'm like, oh. And it's something that you see in all of these kind of, I'm going to say survival kind of movies, TV, where there's always somebody like, hey, you know, I'm just trying to make a buck. It's like, yeah, but you're being a shit. Yeah, the opportunist, the heartless opportunist. And he gave him, like, was it morphine and Percocet? So you figure, I mean, that's probably going pretty high if you're selling it on the oh, black yeah. market. But and that's not enough more. to get on the boat? I mean, I was like, really? There's a whole bag full of this shit here. I mean, uh, really, you want a small piece of gold? Uh, you know, it might not even be real, for crying out right. loud, and for all you know. but That was so just heart-wrenching right there. And then the fact that... He's like, okay, fine, but we have to hurry up because the the guards are everywhere and they're starting to, to watch the water. Which, mm-hmm. on the Gilead side, that's smart because you know, well, they're getting out somehow. What else? Yep. But yeah, where else could they be? They yeah. start shooting and they use tracer rounds so we can see what's happening. Yep. And they end up taking out all but, was it Luke and then the girl who couldn't speak? Who doesn't speak, yep. They're the only two that make it. Which at that point I'd be like, you better give me that money back and uh, oh, I my bag and ring back. Right. Like I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the girl. We're just gonna call her the girl. Yeah. Was she? She was screaming because she does speak. She just has been traumatized. Is the whole thing. So she starts screaming and trying to reach for Zoe and the other ones, and you know Luke has to grab her and basically like 
almost lay on top of her to hold her to, from getting up into the gunfire. And he's like, right. Because she's, she's jumping up trying to help the others. Who've already been shot. Yeah. And he's like, you know, no, we're saving you. We're saving you. They're, they've already been. Shot. They're, they're, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, again, you know, it's like we as the audience are the girl screaming. Yes. Because it's like, oh, my God, how could they do that? They made it so far. Yep. Uh, and the fact that they're just killing the women indiscriminately because they're trying to get away. Yep. It's like, oh, how well, would your leaders think about struggles, Those who cannot assimilate into the society, I guess. So they're they're just to be strung up as examples, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, that was pretty messed up. And I felt so horrible. Yeah, and I'm like, after all of that, and he wasn't even sure he wanted to go on the boat, he and the one girl who doesn't speak anymore are the only two that make it. And I'm just like, wow. And then I had this horrible thought. Had he not delayed them to make Zoe show him, like, the church, (laughs) would they have all made it? They probably would have made it. So he must be feeling tremendously guilty. And Luke is that kind of guy. He He's a up, pretty upstanding guy. Did he have an affair and cheated on his wife? Yeah, but I think that marriage was kind of already done when by the time he met June. Uh, it was rough. So, it was rough. Yeah, I think he's a, a pretty good guy. And the fact that he was holding the one woman back to, to save her, to keep her safe, and willing to, okay, okay you're going to have to leave the country if you want to have a chance of finding um, June and your daughter. Because there's people that can help you. There's people who, that can help you. You're going to have to leave in order to get them out. And I can I can kind of relate to that because my family is from East Germany, and they were on the wrong side of the wall, clearly. And my great-grandfather uh rode a bicycle because it wasn't a physical wall the entire way around like you see in Berlin. They just had checkpoints and some of it was, you know, fencing and barbed wire and things like that. So he went on a bicycle and was shot at by machine guns and made it into West Germany. And then and he had to go first because he was the man, he's the one who could make money and what have you. And then he sent for my grandmother and her sisters one by one and then finally his wife until they were all in West Germany. So I kind of have a little bit of uh, uh, family history that is very similar to what's going on here. But yeah, he could not, my my own great grandfather could not help his family until he he himself was out just the way Luke had to get out himself. Had he stayed, there's no way he could have gotten them into West Germany. Which is, it's got to be like, horrifying knowing that okay i'm going here because i have to do this so i can try to get them but knowing Mm -hmm. that you have to leave them yep yep and i believe my granny was smuggled in a car oh wow like they they had these like they would hollow out these spots in in cars where it's just big enough to like uh, for a human to crawl up in fetal position Mm get smuggled out because at checkpoints they're going to, you know, check your car and everything. And she said she she remembers just kind of, you know, not breathing and hoping that they didn't lift this one board that would have revealed her hiding place and she probably would have been killed right there on the spot with her her feeling. So, yeah, as a small child, she got smuggled across. (laughs) Kind of takes us to what happens with June and Luke and Hannah. 
mm-hmm. because they're driving and, and you hear them talking to each other and June's looking out the window and all you see is these armed guards everywhere. And Luke's like, we're just going for breakfast. It's not illegal yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which just the, that's foreshadowing, like mm-hmm. no end. So they end up going to what looked like a little junkyard. Yeah. And I will, after I explain this, I have a question for you with that. They meet up with a man who's Mr. Whitford, which they had never met. And he's like, oh, maybe we should have had a code word or something. But then he he tells June, oh, you look so much like your mom. I would know you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And she gave me the snip a few years back when they made it illegal, which, yep. like, when you're thinking about that. Now, this, this is the early dates of Gilead. Now, when he yes. says it was a few years back when they made it illegal, it's like, wait a second. So how long has this been going into place? Have they, but did they, as the United States, make yeah, that's things, what I was gonna ask. things illegal? Because they um, see it, the, defi- the declining, you know, birth rates. So, yeah, yes. I'm wondering, it's like any man can't have this. But he's like, although, I mean, he was an older man. He's just like, was it an act of defiance? Or was he like, yeah. I don't even want to maybe breed yeah, but, I mean, men usually have a longer fertility life shelf than women because Hugh Hefner, look at him. Right. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so this, this what this says, says to me, and this wasn't in the book, but what this says to me is that America as a country already had enough people in the mindset of we have to do something to stop these dropping fertility rates and that includes um, making vasectomies and birth control forms and abortions and, and things like that, making those things illegal before the Sons of Jacob ever blew up all three branches of the government and took over. <laughs> now, you know, he's, this is where they have to give up all the stuff because they can't look like they're running and they have backpacks. So it's like, okay, you have no clothes now. You have nothing. Yep. You're leaving everything you know, and you pack what little thing you think you can take. And they've given Hannah Benadryl to kind of keep her, you know, quiet. Because for a little one like that, I mean, they're hard to keep quiet. If they get upset, they're going to whine, they're going to cry. And it's hard to reason with a toddler. Right. Just for anyone who's ever tried it, especially if you're at the grocery store, (laughs) and they're laying in the floor pitching a fit, the only thing you can do is leave your buggy, pick them up as they flail, and walk out. (laughs) And, And I get that. And so they get rid of everything, and he's like, okay. Whitford's like, all right, listen, I'm going to drive the car. You guys get in the trunk. And Luke's like, what are you talking about? Now It's like, it's safe. It's not safe. So all three of them get in the trunk. So it's funny because Mm -hmm. I always look at a trunk when I'm buying a car. It's like, oh, it's plenty roomy. Yeah, plenty plenty of room. Yeah, can I? Yeah. Yeah. But this is what's scary because then he throws the backpacks in a rusted out car, and this is what I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. He said he's done this before. Are those yep. rusted out cars all the cars of the people he has helped before? Mm. Like how long has this been going on? Because there was I a whole lot of backpacks in that one car. Yeah, like all those cars, like maybe it wasn't a junkyard or maybe it was a smaller junkyard. So you wouldn't notice if there's like an extra car or three there. But, yeah, I didn't think of it that way because there were some newer looking cars there that weren't completely rusted out. Rusted out. So how many people has he helped over the years? Um, a note about June's mother. Okay. 
Um, in June's mother, in the book, and this isn't giving away anything or spoiling anything for our listeners who have not read the book, but in the book, the June's mother is an activist for women's rights. Mm-hmm. And she is actually shown in a film that the girls see in the Red Center, uh, standing up for female rights. And they're like, these undesirable people, blah, 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 blah. And June's like, oh, my God, it's my mother. And, <laughs> and then she kind of, like, goes back and, and talks about her childhood and everything and about how she was a wanted child. Like, her mother never married. She was that, you know, much of a feminist that she's like, I will never be any man's property. I'll never get married. And she made fun of June for getting married. And, and June would always kind of roll her eyes like, yeah, 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 mom, you know, girl power, that kind of thing, and was complacent. But I think it's an interesting stance for June knowing she had such a strong mother who fought for women's rights and did not believe in the patriarchy and believed in, you know, women being equals and, you know, having rights and everything, what must she be thinking now as a handmaid? Especially seeing... Yeah, and seeing, wow, I came from that and now I'm here. Maybe I should have not rolled my eyes at my mom and maybe I should have gone to some of those protests. Don't know if it made any difference, but. (laughs) Well, that could have put in a whole different spin where if they had her on film, you know, she could have been made an example of in front of everyone. So, yeah, and they didn't speculate that too much. Yeah, and, and, and June doesn't say, hey, that's my mom or anything. She just kind of, you know, recognizes her and doesn't say anything. But maybe if they knew June's mother, if they'd gone and kind of checked, they wouldn't have even let her go into the Red Center because they may think she is an undesirable who would rise up. That's true. Well, we'll see what happens with that. But So the three of them decide to get in the trunk. They're like, okay, we can do this. But, okay, I'm just saying, that is a really big trunk for two adults and a toddler. Yeah. They had room. Yeah, they, they yeah. <laughs> and they got the baby book and, you know, the, the couple of things that they wanted, but they didn't grab the Benadryl. Right, because Hannah starts to stir and, and, you know, Luke's like, don't worry, don't worry, it'll be fine. She'll sleep, she'll sleep. And then the scary part, there's a stop and the trunk opens. Mm-hmm. The look on June's face is probably the same look I had at that moment. Yes. Because the guy's with a flashlight and he's looking and then he kind of, like, he stops for a second. So if he had a partner there, which I'm assuming he did, mm-hmm. and because he, you know, yells out all clear, like, after he bends down and, like, and then uh, Whit- Whitford comes back and he's like, oh, I took his sister to prom. Trust me, he owes me. And he calls it, mm-hmm. like, this moment, like, first, you're very lucky you didn't, like, yell out to make any noise. Yeah. Because you have no idea how many other people are out there. Yep. Second, I mean, just the horror of that happening and not oh, yeah. knowing, you know, could Whitford actually have been setting you up? Like, there's yeah. so many things that would have had to go through their mind. How do we know this guy is trustworthy that's helping us cross? Right. Like, it just had to have, like, everything happened in that moment. And then he closes it. He's like, we're almost there. And he closes the trunk. So, like, you'd be able to breathe again. But so many what ifs in that second. Yeah, and you start rethinking your decisions that you've made in your life (laughs) at that very second. And then seeing that guy and knowing that he is working for Gilead, but basically letting people through, 
Yeah. I mean, is he doing it for the money? Is he doing it because, yeah, he really is a part of the resistance? Yeah, that's exactly Friends what I was thinking. Is he basically doing what he has to do to survive, but helping in any way he can? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people would find themselves in that position. I can see that. You know, it, yeah. and if you can possibly be in a position like that where you're at, like, a checkpoint and possibly have other people who are in the same mindset as you there, you might mm-hmm. be able to help more people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it was hopeful. I was hopeful at that moment that, okay, there's there are people who aren't buying into this shit. Yeah, there are people within the Guardians, the Sons of Jacobs, who are a part of the Resistance, and they're helping people get out. And there's there's also um, a female road, which is kind of like a, an underground railroad going on in Gilead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there are several different ways that they're smuggling people out. But, yeah, just the the terror, and that's when I thought back to my granny, and, and had they found her, that, yeah. yeah. I can see that, because, I mean, you, you've seen that on their face. It's like, oh, my gosh, what? But Whitford does get them out. He gets them to a secluded cabin in the woods, which is close to Canada, but not at Canada, because they need Canadian passports. And that's when we yes. find out that the visas mean nothing. Exactly. Like, oh, no, no, I got the visas. And Whitford's like, He's like no. He's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's weird because you know Hannah and June are like let's go find your room okay they go upstairs she's trying to you know keep her from being scared oh it's like we're on vacation honey right. let's go pick your room because they don't want her freaked out And they don't, I don't think June wants her to know everything that Whitford's going to tell Luke right now either yeah exactly she does not want Hannah listening to that conversation because Whitford says you ever shoot a gun and then hands him, you know, <laughs> this pistol. He's like, you know, you pull the hammer back, you, you know, you, 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 you load it, you spin it, you, you pull the hammer back, you, you squeeze the trigger, you know, bingo, bango, you've shot right. somebody. Right, went through it so fast. And Luke's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm like, mm, can you do that Are one you more sure? time? Are you sure? <laughs> I feel like I've watched enough Westworld that I could probably do it. But <laughs> Luke, I don't know. I think yeah. he might have difficulties. I've never shot a revolver. I, we have a guac and and we have another one. Yeah, I'm blanking so on the name, but yeah, so yes. a revolver. Every, I think oh. I'd be like kind of lost. Yeah, and I, it makes you wonder: Did they outlaw automatic weapons for the sell to everyday citizens? So are you know pistols and shotguns things like that are the only thing that you are really available? That might be. And, but then again, if you're kind of like up in the woods and it's like a hunting one you're not really going to have automatic weapons so maybe it has to not draw attention yeah very true but you know they're there for a while and they show them you know having pancakes and kind of laughing and joking and they go out to the lake and they're skipping rocks why did they leave the house i know but it might not exactly have been a bad thing because there's all of a sudden a dog and a hunter And yes. my heart dropped. And I'm like, I was like oh, God. No, 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 Right, because you have no idea. I mean, this guy seems real nice, and he's talking, and uh, then they're like, okay, let's get back inside. So they get in the house, and they're like, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> what do we do? Do we leave? Do we wait? And next thing you know, the hunter's at the door knocking, and he's like, 
you know, Luke was just showing June how to work the gun. And man, June's the one who grabbed it and had it right on the guy. Oh yeah. And he's like, listen, listen, I'm, I'm a friend. And it's like, eh. We don't know that. We don't know that. (laughs) And he tells them they're looking for you. I heard on the scanner. Mm. So you have to get out. They're like, should we wait for Whitford? He's like, Whitford's dead. It's like, oh shit. When my mouth dropped open, I was just like, Whitford is dead. Holy shit. Right. So can we trust him? We don't know. But he's like, I got somebody across the border. I called him. If you can get down there, they will help you. And he's like, take, you know, just take this road till it ends. And then it's like a mile up. Stay off the main road. And he's giving them all this information. And I'm like, but do we still trust him? Yeah, exactly. Do we do what this guy says? And where did they get the car? Didn't he say you can take mine? Maybe. Oh, no, no, no. Because I don't know Whitford if took his truck. Or... No, no, because he Whitford drove their car there mm-hmm. and then took his oh, own so truck. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm thinking, yeah. That's why I'm thinking that there's been a car that he had to take back, like whenever he's trading somebody. Like, right. To get them out. Right. Now, at that point, you're kind of stuck. You have to trust them and mm-hmm. hope for the best. Because to wait you could be your death sentence. Right, because if they're searching everywhere, they're going to search the house. Of course. So, I mean, even if it's secluded, they'll find your ass, basically. Basically, yeah. And uh-huh. then, of course, that's what everything happened from episode one, and then we know mm-hmm. what happened. So then it kind of flashes forward three years. Yep. And three years Luke has basically been searching for them. Yes, and trying to figure out... Any information he can give to the authorities to help them, like the yeah, and it seems like he's fairly active at the the refugee center with helping and or at least going there on a regular basis for information. Yes, and he's living in Little America, which is based in <laughs> America. Toronto, and he's with Mute Woman. So yep. at this point, I'm like, okay, wait, they're living together because he says, oh, they got the power back on in the apartment. And she goes to run back. He's like, you can't go back there. You have to be outside. So I'm thinking, okay, they're together, but they're not, like, together. Because she still seems so traumatized. Or are they together? I think she's still so traumatized. If she's not speaking still, that... Yeah, three years later? Yeah, that... Like, what did they do to her in the Red Center to traumatize her that much? Well, I'm thinking getting all that information, and she was tagged. And honestly, this was the first time I really noticed... What was that? Do they not have tracking devices in the tags? No, I mean, they don't. Kind of smart. <laughs> no, they don't, which is something a lot of people have said. But that was the first time I actually noticed the tag was this episode. Yes. Because I don't remember ever actually seeing it unless it was just, like, kind of passing. But Yeah, it's always kind of covered by their little bonnets that they wear or, you know, by their hair. and Yeah, you never really see it. Yeah, so this is the one when it, like, really stands out. And I was like, okay, now we see what, you know, that all the women who are fertile, which still, I don't exactly understand how they're doing that, but how they're figuring it out. And would there be a way to remove that after you've, like, gone out of the country? Because I would cut that off me immediately. I'd be like, if I had to rip my own ear off, I'd be like, all right, I don't need that bad. Right, right. there's got to be something. (laughs) But it's weird because then we see Luke get a call on a cell phone, which, you know, what we're seeing in Gilead, there's no cell phones. No. So... Mm -hmm. He gets a call, and he's like, okay, I'll be down. And he goes to the, an admin office, and you see just all the 
missing person fires. And this was heartbreaking because it reminded me so much of like 9-11. 9-11, exactly. Like 9-11, yep. And that just hurt. And just seeing that and you're thinking, oh, my God. So, you know, even though she wrote this book way back, Mm -hmm. this was an added part. So they could have done it. But then again, any kind of area that's been like war torn, you're going to see posters like this. Yeah. Missing, separated. Well, like when they had the tsunami over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like people were missing and children went missing and the, the earthquakes in Haiti where people just went missing and they were never found. And. Yeah, it, yeah, that was it was heartbreaking to see so many flyers and pictures up there. So many people that have no idea what happened to their loved ones, and it's just like and, we, and so we and this is when we learned that there's an official U.S. support center or office in Canada that is actively trying to help people get out and reunite with loved ones and and what have you. So and this is when we get Luke receiving information from that letter from June. Yes, from the Mexican ambassador's aide, where she very hastily had to write something down. We didn't see what she wrote down, but now we do. And it's, I love you so much. Save Hannah. And then he just like cries, which I know so funny because <laughs> I look at yeah. my husband. I'm like, huh? Huh? How would you feel? And he's like. Well, I'm like, oh, my God, I need more than that. <laughs> like, I wanted more in that second from him. But I'm like, uh, it, it is something you have to process. Because here's, I was crying again. And it was my second oh, yeah. watch on it. Because oh, yeah. seeing and that emotion run across his face, like, you know, he was never sure. And he's still he not 100%. Sure alive. Because yeah. it was three weeks old. Yes, it's three weeks old. So a lot can happen in three weeks. So I asked my husband because... We've always kind of had the talk that if you have to choose between saving me or the children, I always want you to save the children. But yet, as a husband, you want to save us all. Right. <laughs> it's like picking which arm to cut off, you yeah. know. Um, and, and as a parent, I would be, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm, I'm a grown woman. You know, I can figure this out. But Hannah is an innocent little girl. She's helpless. Save her. Right. It would be how I would be as a mother. But, you know, he's got to be thinking to himself, okay, save Hannah. I don't even know where you are. So how am I supposed to save Hannah? <laughs> That's true because they have no idea, like, if Hannah is anywhere near her or how mm-hmm. separated everything is. Yeah. Because so he had these maps and everything. And he's like, if you're trying to hide a large group of women, it's got to be in, like, a school or something. So he's... Working and, and he was dead on, yeah, yeah. Working on the information he had from the girl who doesn't speak and mm-hmm. just everything he's been trying to gather. So yep. it's just... So he's definitely helping the resistance from his side and doing what he can. And, yeah, I just... The, the parting thoughts that I had after watching this episode is you do not have to be a woman to stand up for women's rights. Right. And actually I had a kind of a long talk about this. It's like, okay, so he, well, he's not just trying to save his family. He's trying to save all the women who are put in this prop, you know, this situation. And I'm like, so mm-hmm. essentially, yes, he's not just a rebel. So I'm like, he's a feminist. Right. Yep. And then, yeah. 
and men can be feminists. Yeah. It does not make you less of a man to stand up for equal rights as a woman. It does not make you less equal because women are equal. You don't get, it's not a pie. It doesn't mean less pie for you. It just means that we get the same size of, you know, slice of pie as you do. It doesn't mean less pie for you. Which is funny because there's times when my husband and I will talk and I'm like, okay, so you're a feminist because yes, you do believe that a lot of this shit is stupid. That like, why are mm-hmm. they, if they're going to say just in general, in reality, not just in the show, of course, you know, women can't have this, this, and this in regards to their own body, but nobody's saying anything about men. He's like, that's stupid, <laughs> because why is it one and not the other? I'm like, okay, so that is what feminism is, talking about you know, equality and being able to... Exactly. And he's like, I thought feminism was, and he's talking about like these crazy extremists where, you know, like, superior. I'm like, no, that is... Yeah, I'm like, like they want to get rid of men and take I'm over. Like, that's yeah. not feminism. That's just a crazy extreme. Just like in every single thing, there's always going to be there's an extreme. extreme. Yes. Yep. So when you see this and it's heartbreaking and you know that, like you said, he, who does he choose? Yeah. I, I, I got to say... If he were to sit and think about it, of course, his emotions are going to tell him to, you know, try to save his wife. But when you sit and think about it, the children are the future. And it took it was an absolute miracle that Hannah was born to begin with, because there are so few births and so few viable births in this um, society that it would make sense to save Hannah. And and that is the natural, I'm going to protect you, mama bear, parent thing to do. But at the same time, he's got to be thinking, but how in the hell am I going to raise my daughter without June? Because that's what, that's what my husband said. He's like, well, what, you know, yeah, okay, I'll save the kids, but how, how in the hell am I going to do this by myself? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a real choice. selfish choice. Yeah. It's a real selfish choice. <laughs> Oh, well, guys, of course we want to know what you think, how you felt about this episode, because it was such a difficult choice for them. Yeah. And then just, you know, knowing that at the moment, at the beginning, his wife was alive, and then knowing at the end, and then everything Luke's gone through. So we want to know what you guys think. So shoot us an email at fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find everything always at fangirlzone.com, because we have our contact page. It's just easier to go there. You can tweet with us and, you know, shoot us a message on Facebook, an email, whatever. But then Jennifer has more information, too, for where you can find her. Uh, I'm with the Hollow Nine Network. You can find me on a variety of podcasts over at hollow9.com. And we spell it a little weird because we're cool that way. It's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E, all one word, dot com. And if you go to our page, you can see our many, many um, podcasts. You can also see a few fangirls own things there, too, as well. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter as at Jennifer. Nine spelled the same way as we do the nine and hollow nine with the number nine I and E. And I'm also available on email at Jennifer at hollow nine.com. All right, everybody. So we really hope you are enjoying this. We are coming to the end of hollow. I'm sorry. I'm not, not of hollow nine of Hulu. Hulu show a handmaid's tale. There's way too many H's in that moment. I can't yes. talk. Hollow nine is not over. Hollow nine is 
Rising Up Reborn. We just got a new website, so check that out. Jennifer just redid it. So um, you might notice in some later episodes we kind of had things a little out of order, but, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> but, yes, go check them out and check us out, and we hope everybody's enjoying it. So for this episode of Handmaid's Tale, I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Jennifer. And until next time. <laughs>